The Secrets of Technology is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Technology. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Technology, where we discuss the technology news that's important to you from a uniquely Catholic point of view. And joining me today on the panel are Jack Barazzini. Hi, Jack. Hey, Dom. And Father Corey Stika. Hi, Father Corey. How's it going? Very well, thanks. Folks, I want to start first by mentioning our sponsor. We, we As a listener to The Secrets of Tech... You may be a developer or know a developer looking for an opportunity to work for a company that, with a mission that matters. And Faithlife are the makers of Logos Bible software, the Verbum Catholic Scripture Study software, and a product they call the Integrated Ministry Platform for Churches. And they're hiring full-stack developers. Most of the positions can be worked remotely, and they offer competitive salary and benefits. It's a company where the employees have an average of five years of tenure, and their their company values in addition to being a Christian company, makes Christian software, they include honesty, openness, and awesomeness, which is the best one. So to check out the open positions, go to faithlife.com slash careers and tell them you heard about it on The Secrets of Technology. So let's talk about tonight's topics. Uh, if, if you, I, I don't know what exactly what I would, I'm going to name episodes before we record them. Sometimes that comes up <laughs> as we record, but I'm kind of, thinking this is going to be called Broken Smart Homes. <laughs> <laughs> and we, I think we've talked about, you know, the uh, how uh, most of us to varying degrees have embraced b either all in like I have with smart home tech, mm -hmm. I, Internet of Devices, or one or two things around the house that or, that help automate things. Uh, right. But and and. I, would you agree with me that in the aggregate, it's a good thing that would, you know, it, it, I mean, Father Corey, where do you stand with smart home tech? Well, I, I'm I'm very much getting into the smart home technology. I've got, you know, I've got the, the, the Google assistants plopped around the house. I've got the uh, Nest thermostat and I just put in the doorbell and things like that. So, okay. you know, I'm definitely getting into it and I, I do see it as generally a good thing and generally something that does make my life a little bit easier. Okay. You know, it is, it's nice to be able to check my thermostat when I'm away from home. It is nice where, you know, when somebody shows up or there's somebody come by the, uh, you know, the doorbell will, will page my phone and let me know things like that. So it, it definitely does okay. make a lot of that stuff easier and better. Jack, how about you? Where do you stay with smart home tech? I, I like it, but I think I'm a bit more wary of buying the devices from larger companies just from the security standpoint. Um, I use like the Halo Nest, um, not Halo, the Halo Nest uh, Amazon Wi-Fi. I like that because it's really convenient, especially when you have a house that's really wide and you got to cover the whole area. Um, I like that, I like the convenience of that. And I've looked at doing some of the homebrew um, like security camera stuff like that. I haven't really gotten into the doorbells or the automated um, like door locks or anything like that. I'm more worried about that, but I definitely think overall it's a okay. it's a good thing. So 
uh, and as I said, I'm 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 fairly all in. I've got the the thermostat. I've got the doorbell. I've got all the lights and all that sort of stuff. I got the a door lock and and whatnot. And uh, and in general, I'm happy with it. But there's this article from Gizmodo. Uh, the, this writer there, uh, she wrote, and it's a uh, Victoria Song wrote this, and she wrote basically uh, the the first sentence is: While smart homes can be pretty convenient, they also require a certain type of never ending vigilance. And the, mm. the headline is, I'm tired of broken smart homes. And mm. there's a little bit of truth in that. And uh, this isn't just a, a chance for us to vent and complain about our, the problems of our technology. <laughs> well, we will do some of that. Uh, yep. It's more about thinking as, as we get involved in these things, as we work with, whether it's smart home tech or other tech, how to avoid the pitfalls, how to mm-hmm. think about you know, the potential problems and weigh whether the the problems are worth the 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 potential benefits of what we're looking at for technology. Uh, and I just want to give like a personal example of something that just happened to me uh, along these lines. A few weeks ago, we had a power outage, I think. And when the power came back, things were fine. But then the next day I wake up and None of my Philips Hue bulbs are responding to my commands, any of the automations, whether through HomeKit or the commands through the uh, Amazon Echoes. They just weren't working. And this is why I have backup uh, um, light, light switches still. So we can, so mm. my wife doesn't kill me for, for the lights not going on and off. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it did work through the app, the Philips Hue app on my phone. It was driving me crazy. Um I, I got the bridge, the, the Philips, the Hue bulbs work through a bridge. I moved, I uh, reset it, t- unplugged it, plugged it back in. I, and I'm thinking maybe it's the the Ethernet cable. I move it and put it smack dab on top of, I move it from, I used to have it in the kitchen, which is more central. I move it smack dab into my office right on top of the Ethernet switch and plug it in there. And then it worked. I'm like, oh, okay, great. A couple weeks later, like just last week, Wake up in the morning, same thing. I'm like, what is going on in the middle of the night? We hadn't lost power, <laughs> so what's going on? <laughs> well, it, long story short, I'm not going to go through all the, the, the stuff. It was my Eero, my Eero mesh system. It would update mm. overnight and re, reboot, and whatever it was doing, was sent, it was mangling the, the network settings mm. in the bridge enough that it would work internally but it couldn't get out to the internet, which is how the Echo and HomeKit mm. control it. And that's why mm. those were, weren't working. And, and it's that sort of thing that kind of drives me crazy a little bit because it took me ages. And frankly, Philips has almost zero tech support on its oh, site. It, like, it's terrible. It it's really terrible is tech support. Uh, and I tried Googling and... I eventually ran across a YouTube video that wasn't super helpful, but got me to, this is the solution. Unplug the bridge for more than 30 seconds, not for the 15 seconds that I was doing it first. It has Hmm. to be for longer because apparently they have capacitors holding the the charge a lot longer than I thought. And literally I had to like, just let it sit. And that's why it worked the first time by moving it from one room to another, it was unplugged for longer. Just it's that sort of thing, which is not, specific to smart home tech but it because that this happens all kinds of tech but it's that sort of thing that drives me a little crazy about smart home tech 
it is kind of funny though because you know having been involved on you know internet technologies of one sort or another going on 25 years now mm-hmm. you know since the mid 90s it's interesting how much we've overlaid something which does like text based stuff very very well which yeah. the internet does but with all this other stuff that we have overlaid with the video and the audio and the live this and the streaming that and the smart home internet of things stuff we're really starting to see the uh, weaknesses in the design of the internet and and these are the kind of things you know these incompatibilities and you know, we're going to talk about you know this company working with that technology and that technology working with this other company and it's all it's it's really kind of showing the the cracks in the in the systems yeah it's all kind of creaky <laughs> isn't yeah. It? Yeah. it it's not supposed to work that way um well, well so let's talk about some of the some of the 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 various problems that you can run into like so one of them is just keeping everything up to date right mm-hmm. you know so you've got the apps that are on your phones or on your computer or on your tablet those got to be kept up to date. Yeah. You've, you've got to keep the firmware in the, like I, the first time I had to update my light bulbs, I started to <laughs> question whether I've done the right thing with my life here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> See, I've got, I've got the hue as well. And I love that where you're like, turn on the light. Nothing happens. You go to the hue app. The light bulb needs an update. That's right. why it didn't turn on. Exactly. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think part of it, um, the thing that frustrates me the most is when devices become obsolete. Yeah. And I think one of the biggest things that could be done to fix that, which is not going to happen because these are all proprietary companies, would be releasing open source APIs for older devices. So even if the company is no longer supporting it, you can still do something with it. Mm-hmm. Right. And this was like issue a few uh, uh, last year, I think it was. I think we even talked about it was Google mm-hmm. acquired one of these uh, smaller companies. Google's notorious for doing this by the way with all mm-hmm. kinds of th- software inc- included acquired one of these smaller companies and then strung along the users and then one day basically just said you know what your your device that you paid hundreds of dollar f- dollars for is no longer going to work no yep. and you have no recourse that's just the way it is well right what's funny is i just had something happen that of of what we consider an established technology laser printers um Hewlett Packard didn't update the certi- uh, the the security, security certi- certificate yeah. in their drivers, so my twelve year old color laser printer stopped working with my Mac. Right, I remember hearing because about that. the driver was having issues. Fortunately, I have my Linux. Um, it's a NAS, but it, it's a it's you know uh, just a, a like a server. And so now I'm running it from the Linux or Mac to the Linux box to the to the printer. Right. You know, and it's and that's just one example of this kind of thing that crops up so often. And I, I think it's really a, a fear with some of this technology. And we're going to talk later about, you know, stuff that Google is doing with Nest that's changing how their technology works. Right. Uh, in fact, let's talk a little bit about that, because. Google, another case of Google behaving badly. They're not the only company that does this, but they no. they just have been in doing the, this sort of thing. Uh, they they bought Nest, the learning thermostat company, ages ago, years ago, 
mm-hmm. uh, like five or six years ago, at least this, at, so far. And there was this program called Works with Nest, where Nest would have this API, this pr- programming interface that let third party products work with the Nest. So that, for instance, uh, you could come home and turn on your lights and it would adjust your thermostat, you know, various things like that. I had um, an automatic, which was a device that plugged into your car. And mm-hmm. when you arrived home, it would, it could, you could have it turn the heat up or put the AC on or whatever, you know, automatically for you, that sort of thing. Well, uh, and the automatic went out of business a few months ago, and that's a whole nother example of this. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but they canceled the Works with Nest program. <laughs> they said, we're not going to do this anymore. But we're going to offer you this other program. But what that meant was that every programmer, every company that worked with them had to totally shift gears and and revamp yep. and do it this new way. And if, if the company that made your product was out of business or they didn't feel like it was a profitable adventure for them, you're out of luck. And mm-hmm. they forced like they forced everyone from not forced. They was they wouldn't say it was forced, but really. You they, you had to migrate from a Nest account to your Google account, and that right. broke things along the way. And it just it's this huge hassle. And that's the thing is it's not the end of the world, but it's a hassle. And it's well, one, another thing that just makes it more yeah. painful. This is one of the reasons I've been so resistant to uh, um, technology you put in your car, because it's the same kind of thing. You buy a car and then in 10 years, whatever protocols you have working with it are not going to work anymore. Like, I don't expect that Apple Pay or Apple... Uh, the Apple car or the Android car programs are going to work forever. It makes it harder to buy things for longevity. Well, that's, well, that's, that's something that I've got going on right now with uh, one of my cars. Um, my, my Ford, which is a 2013 model. It's got the older version of the sync software, the, the display software. Mm-hmm. So it, I mean, it, it, the Bluetooth still works and the USB plug still works and the Sirius satellite radio still works. But like to do the, you know, the Apple CarPlay or the, the Android Auto, can't do it. Right. And it costs like $1,500 mm-hmm. to upgrade this stupid little display. You know, right. and, it, it's, and that, that's in car manufacturers are a great example of this because they're notorious about not updating anything. Because they don't want to be updating their car right. five, ten years down the road. They want right. you, oh, you're, you, you want Andrew, Android Auto. You want CarPlay. Go buy a 2020 Ford. Right. Not update your 2013 Ford. Right. They want you to buy a new one. We talked a little bit of something similar last week when we talked about Tesla uh, bricking uh, yes. optional upgrades. Like when people bought the, uh, the auto drive um, Mm-hmm. The, 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 the word is saving for a second. But, you know, the, a, 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 an $8,000 software upgrade that the original t- Tesla owner, the car, the owner, original owner of the car paid for, but when they sold it, it's a used car, Tesla turns it off. Uh, well, yep. that person didn't buy this little software license instead of, up, you know, optional upgrade. This is a similar thing to the, it's, so the smart car stuff. It's related to the smart mm-hmm. home stuff. Uh there, and you kind of, um, Jack, you kind of mentioned like there there are ways to kind of get around this, like Homebridge. Homebridge is mm-hmm. a, an open source project that links the, all these incompatible systems. So, like, for example, the Amazon Ring uh, video doorbell and video cameras and alarm systems don't work directly with HomeKit, the Apple system, but Br- mm-hmm. Homebridge will link it. And it's awesome. I can 
open up the home app on my iPad and see my cam my security cameras there from my ring, you know? That's great. But I I have a reminder in my uh uh task manager every Sunday open up the homebridge uh configuration page and make sure I, I, I update all the plugins because they get updated yep. which is great that they're updating them these these you know open source in, you know independent developers are doing this for nothing but it's just another thing i have to remember to do it's not seamless yeah yep. yeah and you know and we want the seamless we want the you know hello computer right type, you know we want the star trek you know you just get you just recite computer Turn on my thermostat to 70 degrees. Turn on my <laughs> right. bedroom light. Turn, you know, do this, do that. Right. Start the car, open the garage door. We want all this stuff where you just give the computer a command and it just does it. Yeah. I don't, I, don't, I want to see Picard on the bridge of the enterprise. You like having to remember the correct phrase for the computer yes. to get him a T Earl Grey hot. <laughs> you, <Yeah>. know? <laughs> you know, that's, yeah, that's if it's, if it's an Apple, if it's an Apple computer on the enterprise, it's, Hot Earl Grey tea. If it's Google computer, it's hot or Earl Grey hot tea. Yes. You know, so, I guess we know which system uh, lasted into the twenty fourth uh, century. Then, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and that's that's another thing is is we're getting trained by these devices to to speak to them correctly. You know what I mean? So if I if I'm speaking to my Echo and I wanted to turn on my office lights, I say Echo. I use the right word Echo. Turn on my office lights. No, I'd say turn on my office. Yeah. But if I'm speaking to the Apple device, I have to say, Shlomo, turn on the office lights. And I have to remember which one is which. And if I say mm -hmm. office lights to to Echo, it turns on one lamp because that's called I called an <laughs> office lamp at some point. It's just right. it's crazy making. And that's the other part of the configuration. I've got to name things. I got to make sure that they're they're configured into the right room, and you know all this other stuff. And and you probably know this better than I, Father Corey. When you move, everything yep. changes. Like so. Oh yeah. I got to take. Oh, I, I got to go take everything out and pack it up and take it with me. I had to go th go through when I moved over to the house I'm in now. Uh, when I changed parishes, I had to take all my Google Home minis and basically reset them i had to do like this the whole so the hard reset right reprogram it from scratch take the light bulbs reprogram them from scratch right um and even still it's kind of a frustration because one of my light bulbs is still packed away somewhere but google doesn't realize that so it keeps <laughs> trying to turn on the one that's sitting in a box <laughs> <laughs> i have um the nest uh protect uh smoke detectors in mm. almost all of them, I've I've been slowly replacing them because they're not cheap either. Well, that's a that's a whole nother issue with this. Mm -hmm. The stuff isn't is is a lot more expensive than the old analog stuff. But I have one of these protects that I cannot configure into the network with the rest of them. I cannot get it to. I I follow all the steps. I reset it, and I and it's like literally because you know all the bedrooms are near each other. It's literally feet from the next one and i cannot mm -hmm. and that one i get is fine and this i cannot get it to show up inside the nest app and it's just it's it's these things these little things it's it's a it's death by a thousand cuts a couple of the other issues is uh power outages if you have like if, mm -hmm. if, if you have like lights if the power goes out and it comes back on all the lights in the house come on now yep. i could change that so that 
they stay off. But then if the power goes out there and that's so because that's a problem at night, right? If all the lights come on in the middle of the night and the kids yeah. are, ah! and then it takes time for the, the network to come back up and to reconnect to the Internet. So I can't turn them off from the app until that you know process gets completed. Now, I could set it so that they all they don't come back on. But that means that if someone flips a switch somewhere during the day. Right. Then you have to manually tell it to come back on. You can't just flip a switch to turn the bulb on quickly. You, you can't win. You know, it's it's it's, it's you, <laughs> yeah. you just choose your pain. It's almost like the these things are almost smart, but we're not quite there yet to where it's truly like going to learn your pattern. Right, you still right. got to do all the configuration yourself. Yes, that's the that's the thing. And that that is the hope that eventually these devices you'll be able to bring them in, plug them in, they'll talk to each other, configure themselves and ready to go. And, right. mm-hmm. you know, we know that, you know, the big three are trying to get their voice recognition to be as seamless as what we see on Star Trek. Right. That you just don't even have to think about it. You just say, Google, do this, and it figures out how to do it. You right. don't have to program it. You don't have to fight with it. It just works. That's but, true. again, we are dealing with such disseparate technologies sometimes and again very creaky technologies sometimes right. that and and it, it would help if these companies would actually work together but ha ha ha, ha, ha yeah right happen. well never gonna happen yeah there were well there is there has been recent movement in that direction and i i i'd have to find it uh i, I didn't have this up beforehand but the uh there is this movement to try to come a, come up with a common framework that they can all mm-hmm. address and it's got to be Apple, Google, and Amazon. I mean, cause that's really what we've shaken out to is those are the three yep. big names that everyone wants to work with. And they've, there's been some movement there, but you know, Lord knows whether that's ever going to actually happen, how quickly, but yeah, we need to get to the point where the technology works for us, where it adapts to us as opposed to the other mm-hmm. way around where we're constantly having to work for the technology and that's right. that's very true in many areas of life where we're we want this technology to work. So we so we do all this extra work to get it to to get it going. Mm-hmm. Right. It really should be the other way around. And, and hopefully yeah. we'll, we'll get there eventually. Well, I, I do want to do want to kind of leave with a, a a positive note, at least. OK. Um, so in, in this house, it never actually had a doorbell, you know, and of course, most house doorbells are they're like 18 volt systems. You have to have a uh, a little transformer inside the, the wall somewhere for mm-hmm. a doorbell to work. You can't just put a button on the wall and then a box on the, the, the outside or on the yeah. inside, you know. So I was able to get a Nest, one of the Hello Nest doorbells and a power. Tr- and there's just a little plug in wall wart and then use my Google Home as the actual doorbell. Right. You know, and it. Took me it, it took me longer to actually drill the hole <laughs> to run the wire from the inside of the house to the outside of the house for this wall wart than it did to hook it up to the rest of the system. It just this was one of the cases where, oh, you've got a nest nest set up, you've got a Google set up, boom, it just works. Yeah. That know? is nice. And that is the hope with a lot of this stuff is eventually these technologies will come together at that point of Literally, you bring a new device on, and regardless of what name is on the box, it's going to work. Right. That's the Just hope. It's brought in. That's the hope. Yeah, I have the Ring video doorbell, and uh, it's battery powered, uh, which means I, uh, yet another uh, point of friction, having yeah. to replace the batteries 
uh, every yeah. once in a while on the cameras and on the thing. It would be nice. They do sell one that does connect to the wire in the wall, but yep. my house never had the wire. Or if it did have the wire in the wall, it's long gone. <laughs> yeah. That, well, it's, it's like I said, this one doesn't didn't have it at all. So it was just in uh, the the. The Nest one does not does have a backup battery, but it doesn't have the capability of just running off of a battery. It's it needs to be wired up. And so that actually makes it work pretty well. That's cool. That's good. Um, So that's I mean, we I'm not sure there's much more to say about the other than it's broken. But there's hope that maybe it will yep. work better in the future. Um, and we'll be talking a lot about smart home tech as as time goes on because it's become more and more mainstream. Uh, we'll be talking about some smart home tech later on, in fact, in, in a few minutes <laughs> <laughs> because there's some fun stories there. Uh, but uh, but before we get to that, I do want to uh, thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of technology, including this week Dennis T, Adam N, Lucas D, Russell T, and Joe S. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of technology and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. So before we move on, Jack, a few months ago, I think, or at least weeks ago, you mentioned that you were going to be trying out the Amazon Halo fitness and health band. And you're mm-hmm. going to get back to us on how that uh, that went for you. So you told me uh, recently that you you had, and so what? What's your review? What's your your bottom line on this Halo band? Yeah, so um, I got it about a month ago. Um, it's in early access still, where you have to apply to get it. Um, I think they're planning to release it just before Christmas for the holiday season. Mm-hmm. Um, it's essentially a Fitbit without a screen. Um, it looks pretty much just the same as the Fitbit, but the band like goes over the top of your arm rather than underneath the device. Um, and I used it for about a month. The app is really nice. It's really easy to set up. Uh, it does things like it tracks your heart rate. It does your sleep score. Um, it has this built-in thing called Labs, which is um, it's essentially just fitness courses or they, they tie in with um, the Headspace mindfulness app. So you can do different courses like that. And that's all included with it. Um, it also does this thing where you can do a body scan and it will calculate your um, BMI based on your uh, your body fat percentage rather than just going off your height and your weight. Um, and that was a cool feature. I did that a couple times and the device works well, but the fact that it does not have a screen on it is kind of a, a deal breaker for me because you end up mm. checking your phone more often than not. And one of the things I wanted to do with this was be able to do the fitness tracking without having to look at my phone. Right. Um, so there's no screen on it, which also makes it look more like a hospital monitoring device than an actual watch. <laughs> um, like it doesn't, it does not look very good. Um, and the body fat percentage, uh, scanner is interesting, but it, you basically have to take a picture of yourself wearing like an undershirt and boxer shorts. Um, mm-hmm. and as we've talked about before with Amazon, I don't really know if I want to be sending them those pictures. They say it's completely secure, completely encrypted, and you can delete all your data, but I'm still a little bit wary of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so overall, I would say if you're going to be getting a device like this, the Apple watch or the Fitbit seems to be a better way to go just because it has more features and you can do everything on the device itself without having to use your phone. Right. Um, I paid sixty nine ninety nine for it. I think on the early access price, but it's going to be a hundred dollars when it comes out, which seems a bit steep. So overall, cool idea, but I I would still I would say Fitbit and Apple have done that better. 
That that is interesting. Actually, they're pricing at the hundred dollar price range because that is getting into Fitbit range. Yeah, that was what was surprising. Very to me. similar, very similar devices. Because um, uh, yeah, the Fitbit starts at about a hundred dollars too. So that's right. kind of different, you know. Of course, and of course, the biggest advantage of Fitbit and Apple is they are watches. You can exactly, actually tell yeah. the time, like you so mentioned. You yeah. know, you don't have to pull out your phone. You can just you know do a silly thing like look at your watch. <laughs> right. One other thing that um it tracks your fitness using points. It has a point system where it's like you earn like at least 150 points a week and that's your minimum that you should be earning. And it will re- um, subtract points uh, based on every hour over eight hours a day that you're sedentary. And you get more points depending on how hard you're working out and how hard uh, how high your heart rate is. Sure. Um, which was nice. And that was, that worked pretty well, except I noticed if I was on a stationary bike, I think it's because you're not really moving when you're on the stationary bike, your wrist usually in one place and your body's not moving around. So I'd sit on the stationary bike for like 30 minutes working at a really high heart rate and it would not record any of it. Oh, Hmm. that's the, so that's like a kink that still needs to be worked out. They, they do this thing, the tone of voice analysis too. Did you get a chance to check that out? I tried it out for a day. Um, it was the same thing with the uh, um, the body fat percentage. I didn't really want to be sending all that data to Amazon constantly because mm. when you do that, you have the watch running 24-7 listening to your conversations. Um, again, it was easy to set up. It seemed like it worked well. Like All the software worked well. There were not, not really any bugs other than, like I mentioned, the, the fitness tracking, not picking up cycling. Um, but again, I don't. I didn't really have a use for that feature. Jack, you you sound like a, a mild mannered guy to me. I'm curious how it would deal with an Italian household <laughs> because <laughs> we're always yelling, but we're not mad at each other. We're just all yelling all the time. <laughs> just have like I'm an Italian setting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Just put it in. What is your ethnic background and your culture? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. So, I mean, that's that. That. Thank you for that review. I mean, that's that's good to know. Um, it, it's an interesting it's an interesting device and yeah. interesting where they're going with it. And maybe uh, this sort of technology will end up in other things. It's kind of interesting to see. Yeah, I imagine they'll um maybe when they make a newer version, they'll put like a screen on it, which would give it more functionality. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Good. All right. So let's move on to some headlines for this week and uh, our first headline I was this is the one I was hinting at earlier uh, involving the ring video doorbells so the headline is ring is recalling 350,000 smart doorbells after some of them caught fire and of course this is prime for the like you know TV news because we love to have these sensational things something in your home might kill you film at 11 you know that sort of thing <laughs> and uh, and it turns out well, what was going on was people were trying to secure the doorbell, like the, the door, the battery door, because I was talking about the battery before. And instead of using the very tiny screw that you used, mm. to, to, they were using different screws that are long and pointy and piercing the battery. Well, we all know what a bad idea that is to pierce a battery <laughs> with a screw. Of course, it caught fire, which is, I'm surprised more of them didn't catch fire. I, I'm sure what it is, is again, you know, like you said, it uses a small screw. So somebody's out there in their front porch. Oh, they pull the battery off. They lose the screw. They go, well, now what am I going to do? I got to I got to close this up. So <laughs> yeah. then they go rummage to their junk or, oh, this one looks like this will fit. Screw, 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 crack. Yeah. You yeah. know what they ought to do is either use capturing screws for the battery mm-hmm. case, which, you know, it's mm-hmm. one of the ones where you can unscrew it, but the bat- it won't fall out or. Yeah. 
give you extras in the box, please. I lost mine. Yeah, I mean, I'm in that boat. the The case stays on, but yeah, it's and it's a proprietary clips or something. Yeah, you know? it's a proprietary screw head too. Like the 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 driver is this weird. I don't know what the what like it's just it, they give you the driver in the box, but now you've got to hold on to this driver forever. And that might be part of it too. Then yeah, right. I'm not going to lose this thing in yeah, a week, that's... so just replace the battery or replace right. the screw. So if you if you're worried that you might be among the it's the second generation ring doorbell, if you think you might be one of those people who has one of these doorbells, um, you can you can open up the app and it should tell you they've they've Mm. updated the app to to notify people. Uh, They had 23 reports of doorbells catching fire and eight reports (laughs) of minor burns out of 350,000. It's not a lot, but, you know, it's not bad. Yeah, but that, that that's that's the kind of thing that they're getting the press on CNN. You know, like you said, stay tuned to find out if your doorbell will catch on fire and burn your house down <laughs> and burn your house down. Yeah. <laughs> uh, here's another uh, article. This was kind of the theme this week. And another one of these articles where the headline is a little misleading. Uh, I think, mm-hmm. Jack, you sent this one to me. Uh, Microsoft urges users to stop using phone based multi-factor authentication. And and the subhead is use app based authenticators and security keys instead. And I'm thinking, wait, <laughs> aren't apps on phones? Well, it turns out what they mean is uh, stop using multi-factor authentication that comes via text message or SMS right. or voice calls, which or we've known for ages. Or, yeah. yeah, right. We've yeah. known this, uh, but the problem is is. I would love to stop using those, mm-hmm. but the companies that send them, they're the ones that need to change, not me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so. Yes, it's out of the consumer's hand. Like, right. Well, and it's, it's you got, you got, you've got banks that they're doing, you know, you lo- you've logged in from another computer. Let me send you a text message mm-hmm. or worse yet. Here's some questions that you answered five years ago when you set up this account and you don't remember the answers anymore. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Well, and this is the thing that kind of drives me a little crazy because the worst offenders are those who are guarding the most important data. Yeah. Your bank account information, your health information. I, I can't tell you how often like Bank of America does this. They send you text mm-hmm. messages. Yep. That's a terrible thing because, as we know, phones can be could be clone jacked they can be you know ha- someone else can take over your your number and get those messages and log in you might as well not have this system at all mm-hmm. if you're going to do that yeah i agree yeah so yeah thanks microsoft <laughs> for the- well and of course you, you read the article further and what basically what microsoft is doing is saying use microsoft authenticator which is right. one of the many two-factor right. authentication apps so, you know i use google's authenticator and it works beautifully because they're all fairly cross-platform as far as you know take a picture of this qr code from the website and it links to your account and it lets you do the two-factor you know and it works fantastic i've talked before i've used in fact my pick of the week has been authy which is a Mm -hmm. uh independent uh uh, version of the google authenticator app um that backs up into the cloud which is nice uh, and mm-hmm. uh, one password will do it. LastPass will store those. Yep. Um, and there, are, some people suggest there are reasons why you want to keep that separate from your password manager and that sort of thing, which is you know reasonable. Well, especially especially when you're using the two factor authentication to get into your password <laughs> manager. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you don't do that. Yeah. Um, then uh, and I also use the YubiKey, which is a secure a physical uh, software key. I mean a hardware key that. Um, 
has its limitations because mm-hmm. if you need the key when you're with you know to uh, get into something on your phone when you're out and about you better make sure you have the key with you and it works with your particular phone whether mm-hmm. it's you you know um near field communication or USB-C or whatever that is so uh but yeah i mean it's 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 an excellent point um the it does get a little annoying that i have to have the uh authy but I also have to have the Microsoft Authenticator. Steam has its own Authenticator yep. for Steam games. And uh, let's see. Oh, and then, yes, yeah, so the Microsoft Authenticator. And then Google, separate from their Authenticator, if you log in and they want you to open up, they they, they have this option. I'll, yep. I'll put it that way, where you can just, if I open up the an, one of their apps on your phone, it will say, hey, uh, yep. are you trying to log in? So. That's actually convenient. To be fair, that's because you're not using an Android device. On Android devices, literally as soon as I hit enter on the password, my phone immediately chimes. Oh, okay. Is this you? <laughs> yes or no? That would be. You know, and so that's, that's what it's designed for. It's designed for Android devices that will immediately say, hey, this is a login I don't recognize. Did you do this? Okay. You know? Okay. That's so I don't point. have to open up an app. It just, yeah. it's right there. Great. Uh well that make, brings me to my third headline. <laughs> Which is, speaking of Google. Speaking of Google and its users, uh Google Photos is ending its unlimited free backup of photos next year. Uh you so if you're an iPhone user and you've been using Google to backup, you have been only backing up low res or lower quality, not the not the mm-hmm. full quality photos. So that's why I don't use it as my primary backup for my phones. Mm-hmm. If for your Android users, you've been getting high quality backup free, yep. has not been uh, uh, charged against your 15 gigs, I think is the standard uh, for most yep. now. Yeah, um, um, I think mine's, my account is 16, but yeah. Okay, so somewhere around so, there. So I, yeah. See, I, see I've, been, I've been doing this. Actually, I've been doing the, the original quality backup, which you know counts against your, your storage. Uh, because I don't take that many photos that I'm too worried about. And I, I still, I think I'm like 11 gigabytes. And this is dating back to the original Pixel, what, five years ago? <laughs> right. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so so the, the good thing is, if you are a Pixel owner, you will continue to get free unlimited backup. Uh, if you are another kind of Android user, your your backups will now start to count against your allowed storage. Um, mm-hmm. And... That for for some people who do take a lot of photos, that can be a significant expense. I mean, I I pay for iCloud on the Apple system. I and I do the two two. Well, now I do two terabytes because my whole family. Mm-hmm. I also back up to the you know the devices to mm-hmm. the cloud, all that sort of stuff. So none of that was ever you know. Yeah, Apple doesn't give you that stuff for free. Um, you get like five gigs for free, which is ridiculous. <laughs> but uh, nothing. <laughs> yeah, so Google is sort of following suit. In fact, Google has been pulling back on a lot of the 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 free tier of things they've been doing for a long time, right. and uh, and this is one of them. And there's this interesting point that uh, this one one guy Casey Newton on Twitter says uh, points out: Google earned eleven billion dollars in profits last quarter. Okay, so Google is making money. Okay, so this, that's that's per quarter. That's per not quarter. annually, right? They yeah, not hurting. They also have say right there in the terms of service. They use your uploaded uploaded photos to train its machine language algorithms. So that's as he says, offers them enormous competitive benefits. All mm-hmm. the access to all these photos. So they're getting a 
financial benefit out of you storing your photos there. And points out the free Google photo storage helped to drive tons of startups out of the market. Everpix, Loom, Ever, Picture Life. Now that they're gone and Google is tired of losing money on photos, they flip the revenue switch. Does this sound familiar to anyone? <laughs> yeah, this just goes back to the whole thing where um, you're the product, not the consumer. Right. Yeah. Well, in some cases, people are paying. Yeah. Yeah. What this reminds me of is Google Reader. So there used to be a ton of RSS Reader apps out there and services. Right. Google comes along with free Reader, drives all the others out of business, and then they announce, well, we're not we're not interested in doing this anymore. We're turning we're turning it off, and basically, in 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 in, a, in one sense, social media did the other half of the job, uh, helped kill blogging. That mm-hmm. the, the small or, or at least put it to sleep. I mean, we, yeah. we've talked before that there 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 seems to be a resurgence in blogging style. Yes, posting and things like that. So yeah. I mean, I, I think that's that's kind of a good thing too. But yeah, it yeah it. And of course, you know, again, we'll say this again. Google is not the only company to do this. Plenty of right. other companies have bought. Uh, Apple has done this. Amazon yes. has done this. They'll do you it. Know. Yeah. You name the company, they will buy a technology or develop a technology, either get what they need out of it and throw the rest of the way or become the, the, the monopolistic side of that technology and then start, you know, charging right. for it. Right, mm-hmm. right. It, it, it feels a little anti-competitive. Um, you, you'd think the Justice Department might have a look at some of these things after a while. Maybe not. Maybe not. Depends. Maybe who's in power, I guess. But uh, it's or the, or the EU looks at it, you know, or yeah. somebody. See, that, that's the one I was that's the one I was thinking of. You know, how many times is Google going going to go before the EU before they start getting seriously smacked down by them? I mean, just, you know, just the fact that they can't just offer Google Chrome. They have to, you know, allow for the options of switching it. You know, I mean, there's right. there's different there, there's a lot of that kind of stuff that goes on over there that we don't quite see here in the United States. That's true. So if you so the the bottom line on the on the Google Photos is uh, starting June 1st, 2021, new photo and video uploads will count against your 15 gigabytes of free storage that you get with and, your uh, Google account. Unless you've got a, a pixel from the pixel five and before then will right. continue according to this. If it's at the, the high quality, not the original quality, but the high quality, it'll continue to be free. And anything backed up before June 1st, 2021 will not be uh, count, count against. So um, they're also just to keep in mind, there's also been they've been pushing more talking about um, purging unused old accounts. So if you've got an old Google account that you've stored a bunch of stuff in and you never access it, you're just keeping it there as sort of Mm -hmm. deep, cold storage, uh, access it every once in a while, because uh, if you don't, Google could delete it. I mean, you think about how many, how many uh, server uh, farms of old data like that Google has to keep running. I mean, it's got to be crazy. (laughs) Uh, So just, just something to keep in mind. All right. I think that'll do it for our headlines this week. Let's uh, move on to our picks of the week. Father Corey, what's your pick of the week? So with all this talk about smart technology and thing, everything, I'm kind of going with a new version of an old technology. And that old technology is a trickle charger for a car. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if you've had a car that, you know, especially way back when, you know, back, back in back in the old days, you know, <laughs> if you had a car that you're going to leave stored, a lot of times you would you would hook the battery up, sometimes even just in the car to a trickle charger that it would sit, say, over the winter 
and just keep the battery fresh so that the battery wasn't being drained. Right. Well, ironically, today, even though our cars are much more developed or dependable, the battery's technology is much more dependable. Cars are drawing more off of the battery than they ever have when they're just sitting there. Right. Because you've got the computer of the car, you've got the clock, you've got, you know, of course, these newer cars have much more technology that they have to maintain. You know, some of them have their internet connections and all this stuff that's going on. And so a car that you used to be able to let sit even throughout the winter and it would fire right up. Now you're lucky if you get a couple of weeks. So what I picked up, and of course, this is from the store that everybody who loves cheap tools loves, Harbor Freight. <laughs> yes. If you've never been to a Harbor Freight and you love tools, you're missing out because they are the mecca of cheap tools. Well, they've got, it's the Centec 12-volt deluxe battery maintainer and float charger. It's basically a wall wart that on the other end is the clips for your battery, to hook up to your car battery. And the purpose of it is, is to run at 12 volts, volts, 13 volts is about where mine is running, but no, no car system is truly a 12-volt system. It's usually about a 14-volt system. And it just sits there in a trick. It just keeps putting enough juice into the system to handle all those maintenance things and to keep the battery fresh so that when you get in that car after a month or two, it just cranks right, right over like you just drove it this morning. You know? Right. And so I've got one of those that, that plugs into the, the plug in, and, you know, the outlet in the garage. And it's got about a 10 foot long cord that I've got plugged into the front end of the front end of the car. And it just sits there and, and runs. And it, it does put enough juice that if your battery is a little bit depleted, it will catch it up mm-hmm. and then just sit there and trickle charge it. And it's got a little LED to show you what it's doing. Is it, is it charging? Is it almost done charging? It'll actually sit there and flash to let you know it's almost done charging. And then it's just a solid green light to let you know it's maintaining. So simple stuff was like 20 bucks at Harbor Freight. It's actually one of the more advanced ones at Harbor Freight. So it shows you what, how cheap Harbor Freight can be. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you got a boat that you uh, winter yep. over, or if you live in the northern climes and you have a car that you don't like to drive in the snow or... That's why I bought it. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I figured. Or uh, I bet it would work for a motorcycle too. You know, that's yep. the, the, anything with a twelve volt system. I mean, even like RC cars. If you get like a twelve volt RC oh, yeah. car or something like that, yep. you know. Yep. Uh, I saw on their page. Too. It says uh, like even if you have like a battery backup on your sump pump because you don't use a sump pump yeah. very often. Hopefully, uh, that yeah. <laughs> so you want that to be ready to go. That's good. Excellent. Jack, what's your pick this week? Uh, my pick this week is actually the Fitbit Charge 4. Um, talking about the uh, Amazon Halo, and this is kind of what I was comparing it to. This one, um, it's usually 150 but it's 99 mm-hmm. on Amazon right now. Um, it has the screen, the nice the OLED screen that um, looks really good. It has built-in GPS. It does the sleep tracking. It's waterproof. Um, it pretty much does everything that the Halo does, um, but it has that watch function and the screen. Nice. Very nice. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. It's, it's the same size as the, the Halo, basically. Yeah, it's pretty much the same thing. It, I, it's, I'm still curious why Amazon decided to not put a screen on it, but uh, yeah. Um, and, yeah. of course, Fitbit's been around forever, and, uh, you know, they're reliable, that's for sure. Um, so my pick, which has disappeared from the Google Doc, but I remember what it is anyway, because it's sitting right in front of me, is the new Apple HomePod Mini. Uh, I picked oh. one of these up uh, for my birthday, and just got it today, so I was, I've been playing with it, and I it it sounds good. I, I I don't I don't I don't have a home pod, so I don't have that to compare it against. Uh, but it sounds better than the echoes, 
uh, we have several different echoes here and I've been testing it out with both the podcasts and music and a couple things I love about it is that it pairs so quickly with my iPhone. It's so much easier to connect because with, with the uh, echo, you're supposed to be able to just say it verbally, you know, echo connect to iPhone. Uh, I, mine's called DB to uh, DB 11, you know, I, my initials mm-hmm. in the number and it's sometimes it will do it. Sometimes it won't. And it's just, it, it's not. So then you have to go to the uh, Bluetooth menu. It's a pain in the neck with this one. It's just airplay. Boom. It works. Uh, they're supposed to be able to just like walk in while, while it's playing and tap it on the home pod and have a transfer. I haven't done that yet. I haven't, I, I'm not sure. I, I got to mm. look up Apple in its usual, you know, oh, our, our stuff is so easy. You don't need instructions way has not provided the instructions <laughs> on that. Uh, so it's not that easy. Uh, so I have to look it up and find out what, what I got to do to do that. But uh, it's, it's, it's nice and it's small. I mean, it's, it's like the size of a, I don't know, size of a softball. It's a little bigger than a baseball, um, small than a softball. It's, it's kind of nice and it looks good. So nice. mini. Um, and they, apparently if I got a second one, you can pair, do a stereo pairing with them, which mm-hmm. is kind of cool. Mm, that would be nice. Yeah. Uh, I might end up getting a second one to put out in the other room in the kitchen. Uh, my wife uses the, the echo in the kitchen to listen to the, uh, the liturgy of the hours, the divine office. Mm. And the problem we have is she'll walk into her into our bedroom and it's just far enough out to be on the edge of Bluetooth range. So it'll be going connecting to phone, disconnecting from phone, connecting to phone, dis- mm. like, disconnect your phone from the echo. You know, I'm yelling across the house yeah. um, <laughs> with this. It's just disconnects just and it, yep. it doesn't have all that hassle. So uh, and that which is good. One, one thing I like and I know the, the the Apple devices can do it is with Google is I've got the whole house set up where you can just say instead of connect to this speaker just connect to the main floor right Play through all where of you them. are you're going to hear it it connects to all nice. of them and that that's really a nice feature I, I think i think amazon can do that as well but well they can do if you if you are playing like say you're from your music library on it not oh, if, sure. if you're not bluetoothing it uh but right. you can't do it if you're if you're from the phone through all of them yeah that's and that's our right, chromecast you know yeah. of course that's google's version of airplay or but. yes yeah, so that would that I have a feeling over the over the years I'll end up with a couple more of these around the house at some point. Because um, <laughs> you know, and then if I'll get a few Google Homes and we'll just they'll all like sprout like mushrooms in my house. And just just have the have the the fights you see on the web where they get each other to talk to get them to talk <laughs> yes. to each other. Yes, exactly, exactly. All right, so that should do it. Those are our picks of the week. Uh, what did you think of our discussion? If you have any comments or feedback on anything we talked about today, are you are you sick of your broken smart home? <laughs> Let us know by <laughs> commenting on the show at sqpn.com slash technology or the SQPN Facebook page, facebook.com slash Media, or send an email to technology at sqpn.com and we'll have links to all the headlines from our discussion and our picks of the week on our show notes at sqpn.com if you can we really do appreciate it when you write a review for the podcast in apple podcast or any of the podcast directories and share the podcast with your friends that helps us grow our community and reach more listeners until next time, Father Corey Stika, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of technology. Thank you, Dom. Jack Barzini, thank you as well. Thanks, Dom. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to the secrets of technology on StarQuest. Quest.